0: Today's show is brought to you by Of A Kind, an online shop for emerging design. For more information, visit ofakind.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, and welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to the show live every Thursday at 11 a.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes. Today's show is about one simple topic, the importance of choosing your words wisely. Since the beginning of my blogging life in 2003, I've made more mistakes and learned more lessons than I could possibly discuss here, but many of them boil down to this piece of advice that our parents gave us long, long ago, to think before we speak. For today's show, I'm going to discuss the reasons it's important to follow this advice, both professionally and personally, and then break down the ways you can learn to choose words more wisely and how you can help others understand to do the same. One of the trickiest things about the online world right now is the ease with which we can all publish our thoughts. I am firmly in the camp that believes that there is something to be happy about there, that making communication easier and more accessible to all people across the world is inherently a good thing. But with that power comes responsibility. And lately, more than ever, I feel really inspired to start talk, or start taking more responsibility personal responsibility for my words, both the ones that I speak and the ones that I write and anything that's coming from my own mouth. So let me back up for a minute and explain a little bit about the inspiration for today's show. For the past year or two, the phrase girl crush has been used widely throughout the web and print world. And the first time I heard it, I remember bristling a bit and disliking the way that it made me feel. Every time I heard someone say it, even a close friend, I would turn inward and feel a little bit bruised. And it wasn't until a week ago that I was really able to finally pinpoint what upset me about it. And that was when somebody made a comparison of that particular phrase to a different one, one that was equally upsetting, and that's the phrase no homo. The latter is used commonly online to indicate that someone likes or appreciates another person of the same sex, but that doesn't make them gay. When the connection between that phrase and the phrase girl crush was made, it really clicked for me. And then when I heard the phrase again, I, I really felt that that wording wasn't implying so much that a girl liked or appreciated another girl, Um, It was really about sort of distancing that like from the idea of being gay and that final distancing from that actual idea of being attracted to someone of the same sex really upset me and it hurt me. What about being gay needed to be distanced from? And was there something wrong with it? And if you really only meant truly a platonic crush, why not use the word friend in front or the word platonic or even better yet, choose a different word that actually reflects what you mean? I briefly mentioned the way this phrase made me feel online, and I was really impressed with and surprised by the level of conversation that came from it. Some people disagreed vehemently and became instantly defensive and combative about what their true meaning of the phrase was and what their rights were to say any word that they wanted. Some people apologized and said they didn't intend that feeling, but understood why someone might feel that way. And some people agreed. Others decided to email me privately and discuss things further. But what struck me most about all of these interactions wasn't the actual response, but the way in which people responded. I realized that whether or not someone agreed or disagreed with my personal thoughts, the people that took the time to listen and to acknowledge someone's feelings were the ones that left a really deep impression on me. And in that moment, I felt heard, understood, and appreciated. And in that moment, I also felt and understood my own mistakes in this area. I've published a small handful of posts and a much larger handful of comments over my 10 years of blogging at Design Sponge that I truly regret. Some were relatively simple, but generated heated debate that I became immediately defensive of. Some were more controversial in nature, and some were things that I should have thought through more from the get-go. But in both cases, I found myself on the defense immediately, and I really regret and feel disappointed in myself about those reactions. Here's a simple analogy that my coworker Max made the other day that has stuck with me ever since and really helps sum everything up. If you stepped on somebody's toe and they said, ouch, you wouldn't immediately say, I didn't step on your foot. You would say, oh, I'm so sorry. That acknowledgement and apology don't cost a single thing, but they are worth so much when it comes to navigating the world of online communication. Erin Lechner of the blog Design for Mankind and Clementine Daly said, We are not for lack of voices. We are for lack of listeners and those who hear with intention and speak with grace. Listeners who are open to learning and who do not argue prejudice with prejudice. Her statement, beyond being so brilliant, really gets at the heart of what's really happening here. A failure of listening and a failure of pausing to think about something before we say it. All of us have been on the either end of this situation before, whether we've offended and upset somebody inadvertently or not, or have been upset by someone else. And we know that at the end of the day, what we all really, really want is to feel heard and understood. So why is it so hard to do the same for others? Well, I personally think it's pretty simple. I think the problem here is that it's really hard to acknowledge when we're wrong, especially if it means something about us that we don't realize or want to acknowledge. For example, I've written using slang words before that upset people, never intending to upset anybody, but doing it nonetheless. When people point that out to me, the first thing I did and still do to this day is defend, 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 rather than acknowledging someone's feelings and taking a moment to recognize my own responsibility in that situation. It's that brief pause, the one moment of really kind of owning up to a bit of your own behavior that makes the difference between a relationship a connection, an opportunity, and an option for growth, both personally and professionally. So whether or not this topic is of interest to you, this topic actually relates to all of us, and it's sitting here for free as a key to helping us all work through the inevitable and difficult hurdles that we all face in our lives. I was reading online to kind of do some research about this topic, and I came across the writer Beth Moynihan who said, words matter, ideas matter, and compromise matters. It's with that spirit that I really want to spend the next half of this show diving into how we can all find that compromise in every situation and work towards eliminating hurdles in our daily lives that don't need to be there. If we can all stop and think before hitting publish or before saying something out loud, I think we can do a lot to help everyone feel heard and appreciated online. And if everyone felt a little bit more heard and a little bit more appreciated and understood, I think we could avoid a lot of the negativity that happens online that can be such a hurdle when moving a business or just your own personal life forward. So after a quick break, I'm going to break down all of the ways that I think it's important to understand this topic, skills for understanding and listening, better ways to get your point across, tips to remember, and then some advice from really important people online that I hope will hit home. So join me after a quick break, and I'll be right back with really practical tips to understand this topic. If you're interested in emerging design, check out Of A Kind, a site that sells the pieces and tells the stories of up-and-coming makers. The site has featured over 200 designers and offers limited-edition pieces you can't find anywhere else, along with the studio tours, travel guides, even recipes from the designers. To find out more, head to ofakind.com and sign up for the site's newsletter. Hey, welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonnie And today we're talking about something a little different, but still important, and that is the importance of choosing your words wisely. Before the break, I was talking about sort of the history of where this topic was coming from for me personally, and why I think it's important for everyone listening. But I want to take a second and actually break down why this concept is something bigger than a life discussion and a bit more applicable to those people running businesses online, whether that's something in food or design or any other area. It's really important to think about these choices. Let's talk about why for a second. I think that not enough people think about how valuable a pause is in their life. I've been reading this really incredible book about the importance of, or the ability to live with um Uncertainty and Change in Life, written by Pema Chodron. And I've been trying to advise it to everyone because it's been so important to teach the value of that pause. And the reason is pausing before you talk, whether it's online or in an email or with someone in person, is that that pause can really protect you from a lot of things. Because words, even just the actual simple unit of a word, are incredibly powerful. They have the the ability to create a problem, they have the ability to solve a problem, and they have the ability to get us out of problems before we even see them coming. When I was thinking about this topic, I sent an email to a bunch of people that I really respect and look up to online. And one of whom, Jen Hill, the owner of J Hill Design in Boston, gave me a really good concept that I thought would be fun to lead with, which is that words can also get you out of something. And I think a lot of times when we think about what's gone wrong, we think about, you know, oh, this word created a problem. But it also has the ability to get you into something that you didn't even see coming. Jen said, I think words that I have unwisely spoken many times would often be, sure, I can do that, no problem. And I thought it would be fun to start with this idea, that so often when we're talking about words, we think about things we've done wrong, but we don't think about words that sort of seem positive but often get us into difficult things. The simple fact of thinking about what you say before you say it is really important for this reason. I think that so often people who run businesses are terrified of saying the wrong word, but that wrong word they're afraid of is the word no. And no can actually be a really empowering word and a positive thing because it can protect you from a future problem like signing up for work that you don't have time for. It can also protect you from something that you don't actually have the ability to do or just simply the time to do. And I think if you think about it from this perspective, it's a really easy sort of wedge to get into the bigger topic at large. So I'm really glad that Jen led with that because I think a lot of times we just say yes to things without thinking about them. But it's also important to think about Really, how choosing a simple word can lead to something that's difficult. Words can hurt people. Words can mislead or misrepresent. Words can also end businesses or end relationships. Um, There's a really, really beautiful line from uh, Kathy Chester, who just wrote an article about this on the Huffington Post, who said, our words are a direct reflection of our deepest beliefs and convictions. They can have the power to move, the power to enlighten, the power to educate, but they can also disturb anger. Anger and ruffle a few feathers. And I think if you think about that and break it down into the different ways we talk to people every day, you can understand that a little bit easily. So let's talk about some of the reasons that words can be difficult for legal purposes. And I find fewer business owners than I would think actually understand this concept, which is every single word that you say online, whether it's an email, a tweet, or something you post can absolutely be used in court. And I remember when I first started um, doing a series of meetups for people who ran businesses online, one of the things I was really surprised to see is that the female business owners that I was talking to in that particular room had no idea that emails and that things you said on social media were admissible in any sort of legal situation. And No one wants to think about the legal ramifications of things because it seems terrifying and scary, but it's actually a really important thing to think about. And whether or not you know it, what you write in an email can be admissible. And one of the sort of common misconceptions I found from people running businesses was they thought if they ran at the bottom of every email that this email is private and not intended to be used in any public space, blah, 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 that that somehow protected them. But it actually doesn't. So it's all the more reason to think about the actual words you type when you're sending someone an email – and the same thing goes for social media. And it really comes down to the idea of what your intentions are. And I think if your intentions are are clear, then yes, go ahead and write that thing in an email. But if you think that you're dealing with a topic that's a little bit sticky or a little bit hard to understand, then maybe social media or maybe an email is not the best way to do that. Maybe picking up the phone so you can explain yourself more clearly is the best thing to do. Here's something to consider when you're writing, whether you're writing online, whether you're writing social media, or even if you're about to pick up the phone and talk to somebody. The first thing I think that's helpful to do is always put yourself in someone else's shoes. This is really hard to do for a lot of people. And it's frankly been really hard for me to do for a long time because a lot of times when you're dealing with the power of words and how they can hurt somebody or they can help somebody, the first thing you do is think about how you feel about it. You think, like, well, I didn't intend this, or I didn't hurt somebody, or I didn't mean that. There are a lot of excuses that fly around because you immediately feel defensive when someone gets upset or misunderstands something that you've said. But actually, if you can take a brief pause and just think about, hmm, how could, those have words, how could those words have felt to someone else? It really gives you a second to step away from that anger and to think about what that actually might have felt to someone else. A valuable lesson here is when I was reading Pema Chodron's book, she talked about anger, upset, frustration, and all of these emotions. And I don't know if most people know because I definitely didn't know that when your body has a physiological reaction and produces that feeling of anger or feeling of stress, your body actually only feels that for 90 seconds, which is a phenomenally short amount of time and that anytime we feel that beyond the 90 seconds it's actually us intellectualizing that and kind of bringing it back up and bringing it back up and i find that so many reactions are about how we tell ourselves the story of what actually just happened rather than just accepting that oh someone feels upset let me just feel that emotion or let them feel that emotion take a second to pause and then react It's that little pause and that little moment of letting yourself actually feel something that makes the big difference. So the first thing to do is really just think about being in somebody else's shoes. The next thing to think about is leading with an apology. I did a show about this a couple weeks ago about the importance of being able to apologize, to not be scared of it and to not let it be something that sort of is held back by our pride. But I think it's really valuable to lead with one. Here's why. It gives somebody the chance to recognize that you've heard them, that you've understood them and that you've put yourself in their shoes. I think this rarely happens on the Internet, and I think it rarely happens with businesses so often because it's the biggest problem I hear about from everybody on the Internet is why couldn't they just say they were sorry? Why couldn't they just say that that upset them? Or why couldn't I just say that it upset me? And I think the biggest thing is that we're scared of saying we're sorry. But it's the easiest way to smooth over so many problems. And that's not to say that you should say it without actually meaning it. It really goes back to sort of Max's analogy of stepping on somebody's foot. If your words have caused somebody else to feel something that's not so great, just saying you're sorry is the easiest way to sort of start a conversation rather than start a battle. The next thing to do is to really think about compromise. I think it's difficult if you're a business owner to embrace the idea of compromise online because to some people it feels like failure or like losing a battle. And I've personally had that mindset for the better part of my 32 years. And that's because it can feel like losing. And if you work so hard to build something, oftentimes, it's difficult to admit something about yourself that you haven't realized or that you don't want to. But compromise is the underlying factor of every successful relationship, whether it's a successful relationship on the internet, or a successful relationship in your real life working environment, you have to understand what compromise means. And compromise means that both parties are getting something that is important to them. And you will have no ability to figure out what that other person wants, if you don't stop and listen. So I think if you're dealing with someone online, even if it's a negative thing, the best thing to do is to say, ah, I'm sorry that happened and I hear you. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you're feeling? And the second you get to take someone else's opinion into account, understand what they truly want, it gives you the option to work towards compromise. And that goes both ways. You should be getting a little bit of you, what you want too. I think a great way to think about that is there's a wonderful article um, on Business Insider right now about choosing your words wisely. And the writer said the first thing you should ever do is to ask somebody else what they're feeling and then try to argue that situation from their perspective to yourself. Now, it can sound a little bit sort of, you know, highfalutin to sit there and think about, oh, I have to argue this from their perspective and my perspective. But if you really care about maintaining relationships online, this is a very, very important tool. I did this for myself. The other day we wrote about something and it had to do um, with race. It had to do with culture. It had to do with appropriation. And I was thinking really a lot about like, well, I, I didn't intend to upset anybody, but something that I posted upset somebody reading. And the first thing I thought was, well, I have to defend myself. I have to defend what my intentions were here. I have to intent, you know, defend the reputation of my website. But I really was getting way too caught up in myself and didn't take a brief second to think about, well, why did this upset this person? And why was that important to them? And why don't I just listen to what they have to say for a second before I respond to it? And if I had done that, I think I would have really understood why that upset her and why I should have just been quiet for a second and let her have her peace because there's nothing wrong and there's nothing weak about allowing somebody else to have their opinion, to air that publicly, and for you to say, I'm really sorry that what I said, like caused you to have that reaction. And even now I'm stumbling on saying that word caused because it can be very difficult to admit that what you do has a reaction or causes somebody else to feel something. But really just admitting that is a really powerful thing to do. So you've thought about putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. You thought about how you can understand it from their perspective, even arguing the discussion from their perspective to understand why they feel the way they do. Here's something else to think about. Um, What it means to be a Better writer, blogger, and business owner has a lot to do with choosing the words that we use. Um, I was talking to Victoria, who runs the blog SF Girl by Bay, and she really brought up something important, which was that a lot of people who are working online, if they change the way that things are worded, have a lot to do with, some, with the way someone perceives their brand in a larger sense. I think a great example of that these days are sponsored posts. No matter what field you're working in, these sort of things where a sponsor has asked somebody else to write something on their blog are everywhere. And I think a wonderful example of sort of using words to make something come across in a way that explains something positively and helps people understand it is joy cho Uh, joy runs the excellent blog oh joy and i think i really really like the way she chooses to phrase her disclosure about sponsored posts because it really humanizes it and it gives people a chance to understand where she's coming from under posts that are sponsored joy writes this post is brought to you by in, in collaboration with and then she names the brand all content ideas and words are my own Thank you for supporting the sponsors that allow me to create new and special content like this for Oh Joy. Now that simple phrasing does so much to put you in Joy's shoes to understand that by you sort of consuming this content and not getting very upset about it or ranting about it, you're allowing her to continue to provide things for you that she puts in her own words and does in her own thoughts. Now, if you've read the internet, you've probably read 10,000 versions of this disclosure that exists under almost every post. But I think that we've all read ones that upset us. And we've read some that kind of nullify any, you know, anger that might happen about something being sponsored. But I think Victoria making that point, and then giving the example of joy, are wonderful ways to look at that, because the way that you use the words that you have really makes a difference in how people consume that content. Uh, Blaise Pascal said, kind words do not cost much, yet they accomplish much. I think that's something that underlies all of these issues here, whether it has to do with sponsorship, or it has to do with the way that you talk to people online, how we choose to work choose words that are kind makes a very big difference. Now, whether we're talking about the issue of girl crush or we're talking about the issue of sponsored posts, we're talking about how we email people, thinking about what you're going to do and choosing the kindest words possible makes a very big difference. I think something else to consider here is knowing your audience. A lot of times when I talk to people about the words that they choose and how that's affected people, they say, oh, but you know what I mean, or they should know what I mean. I think if we all moved forward by thinking that nobody knows what we mean or what we understand, it would really change the way that we write and the way that we talk, primarily because you don't actually know who you're talking to online or in person. So often I found that people who work in similar industries assume that everybody talking to them or everybody working with them, they're coming from the exact same place. And that could not be further from the truth most times, because even though we all do the same thing in a certain field, or maybe we're all sharing a certain aesthetic or a certain certain belief about a certain thing, doesn't mean that we're all coming from the same background or that we've all had the same life experiences. And I think a lot of times that boils down to the way we look at people and assume something about them. But that assumption is what gets us in trouble most of the time. So thinking about who you're talking to has a lot to do with the words you choose. And I find that operating online, the more that I assume that I know nothing about the people reading other than that, say, we have a shared love of design, that that really makes me think a lot more about the way I talk. Another thing to think about is the idea of writing a script to get yourself through some of the difficult things that you've been facing. For example, I have a really difficult time responding to people online if they're upset with me about something, or if they respond in a way that I feel is really combative or really angry, and the first thing I do is jump to it and say, I have to write a response right now. I can't let this sit. I have to say something. But the key thing to do here is actually sit and write down a response that you don't actually publish. I've talked to people about this sort of off the record and behind the scenes. And most bloggers I know in different niches have found that it's really helpful to write a response and sit on it overnight. And I think this goes for everything. It doesn't just go for your interactions on social media. It goes for your interactions with clients and with other business owners. If you write a response Draft it or just put it down on a piece of paper and then sit on it for a night. Give yourself a chance to sort of feel your feelings and then work through them and then look at that message again. Is that the best way you can do something? I found personally, it's really not. And that I often need a chance to kind of let those feelings go through me before I can move forward with what's important to actually say. And yes, this is important from a business perspective, but I think there's another aspect of this conversation where we think about the words that we choose that has a lot to do with our ability to be better writers and better people. I thought a lot about an article that Nicolette Mason wrote um, for Feministing about how it's important to choose words uh, when it came to the issue of girl crush and that she thought this really wasn't so much about sort of gendering an issue or thinking about whether or not you're upsetting people based on their sexuality, but it was really about people's ability to choose words that were smart, that represented exactly what they wanted to say and about how we could be better writers if we just thought a little bit more. And I think this is a really interesting angle to come at this issue from, primarily because I think People working in the, on the internet, myself included, we're not used to having a, a sort of a panel of people who look at our writing and who hold us to higher standards. And I know that's something I miss a lot from working in print. And I, even though I did it briefly, I really miss having an editor who would look at my writing and say, hmm, I think you can do this better. Or is that the best word you could have used there? Or is there a stronger way you could present this case without leaning on XYZ? that doesn't exist on the internet and it doesn't exist in your office at work. So few of us actually have a person that's standing over us saying, try harder, choose a better word, think about what you're really saying here. And we can't have that, but what we can have are internal editors and things that we do for ourselves to try to be a better, stronger writer. And I think if all business owners thought about that before they wrote everything, even just as simple as email, it would make a big difference. For me personally, here's how I'm using this going forward. I would say for the past nine years of writing blog posts, and I've been writing for 10 years, I really just wrote off the cuff, which is a great thing, and I think everybody should be able to do. But going forward, and even for the last year, I've been thinking about, is there a reason I'm choosing the words I'm choosing? Or am I choosing them because I can't think of another word? Am I choosing them because that's the word I always go to when I talk about this topic? But instead, now I'm trying to think, is there a reason I want to write this? And what are the best words to use? If I can't think of the best words yet, or if what I'm writing aren't exact, it's not exactly what I want to say, I'm stopping. I'm not writing that post. And for this year going forward, we're writing fewer posts for that reason. If I can't feel passionate about something, if I can't feel excited about something, and if I can't phrase it in the way that I really, really want to say it that's most accurate, I'm not going to say it. And I think a lot of people listening will think, well, but this is the internet. I can say whatever I want to say, whenever I want to say it, however I want to say it. And that's the beauty of it. You don't have to edit yourself. And that's absolutely true. Nobody has to do anything. Nobody has to say things the perfect way. But you also have to deal with the repercussions of your voice and the things that you say online. And I think behind the scenes, a lot of people feel very hurt and very upset by the reaction to what they say and almost surprised by it, which always gets me because for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And if you're saying something that is a very strong opinion, there's going to be somebody who disagrees with that. So the best way to move forward with that is to think about the things we say so that we can try to temper some of those reactions some or that we can try to spend more time using words that are more accurate and kinder for the people who are listening to us. Another thing to think about when it comes to words is being, quote unquote, the bigger person or taking the high road. Now, the only thing I don't like about that concept is the idea of being a bigger or better person because no one's really bigger or better in a situation. But there is a chance to walk away from something that's difficult. So often, even if you've chosen your best words and the kindest words, someone's still going to be upset and someone is still going to be hurt. And I think last word-itis, which is sort of that symptom that I think a lot of people online have of I've got to say the last word, I've got to say the funniest thing, I've got to say the most sarcastic thing, is the most detrimental thing you can have in your arsenal when it comes to word choice, because there's nothing powerful about being the last person to say something, especially if those words aren't chosen carefully. So instead of having that sort of need to be the last person to talk, instead, I think what's more valuable is try to replace that need with the need to be careful and kind with your word choices. And I think this is something that a lot of bloggers are thinking about these days because we've all been living with, you know, a couple years of what it's like to hear back from people after you say things. But I really think that if you give people a chance, chance to think logically about what they say and smarter about what they say, the level of interaction on the internet is going to be raising. So here's what to do. Don't really exhibit, um, don't exhibit personal or professional examples of language that you don't want coming back to you. It's sort of the old golden rule thing, but I think it's very true here. Going forward, try for just a week to use language that you'd like coming back to you. Do you like when people accuse you of things? No? Then try not doing that on the internet for a week. If you don't like when people use certain words, why don't you not use those certain words for a week? I think this little test would be a valuable thing to do, and I'm going to start doing this myself. Every single word I'm going to put on the internet this next week is going to be something that I really think about. Now, going forward, is that a practical way to live and to write, to really, really think through every single word? Probably not, but I think this small exercise of really thinking about is this the kindest and most accurate way I could get something across is going to be a very valuable lesson, primarily because doing it in small steps over this past week, I've gotten a much more positive and sort of helpful and productive response from the people I've been dealing with. And I've found it's drained some of that sort of anger or upset that I find in myself away. And I think that's something that a lot of us working online have to deal with is how do we get rid of sort of the feelings that come from working online or the negative responses that come from working online. And the simplest way to do that is to not put them out there yourself. So if you're listening, I hope you'll join me in this week's challenge, which is to try to think more thoughtfully and more kindly about how we deal with people on the internet, not only because it's helpful for us, because it's helpful for everyone. So I hope those of you listening will join me and I'll see you next Thursday online.